Ancient Mythos Podcast, Episode 3, Pandora. Welcome scholars of ancient legends, tales, gods, goddesses, heroes, and creatures to the Ancient Mythos Podcast. My name is Kelly Wislocki, and I'll be your humble guide as we explore various mythologies from around the world. This week, we're taking a look at Pandora, the Olympian's gift to man. As always, please note, myths often have multiple versions or tellings, and I might note the difference between tellings, but often there are just too many of them, or I just may not know a different telling. So if you know a different version of the myth, please comment and let me know. I do enjoy reading the different versions that people have heard over the years. And I also apologize if I mess up any pronunciations going forward. I do have trouble with plain old English, so other languages, especially older ancient languages, can sometimes be a little tricky for me. Now, last time on Ancient Mythos, we had the story of Prometheus and his great deeds for mankind. The story of Pandora is a sort of continuation of that, only rather than the punishment of Prometheus, this is the punishment of man. And when I say man, I do just mean man. At this point in the mythology, human women don't exist. It's an all-guy party at this point. Pandora is the first woman, and she fills a sort of Eve role in the mythology. In fact, her more modern characterization is often compared to Eve of the Old Testament. She fills the trope of a female figure who releases evil into the world, often by accident or um, unintentionally. Uh, now, this is a trope that crosses a lot of different cultures. It's a trope I do have a hard time believing, having studied world history, that it's women who break the world rather than men who break the world, but I digress. And while the modern image of Pandora gives us one version and one character to look at, when you look at the original myth in Hesiod's Theogony and Works and Days, you get a very different version of Pandora. And before I get into the original myth, I do want to take a moment and apologize to my gender for how this myth makes us sound. And if you've never heard the original version, all I can say is just buckle up, hon. And if you wish to place blame anywhere, blame Hesiod. And without further ado, here's the story of Pandora. So after Zeus punishes Prometheus, he declares that he will create a great calamity for Prometheus and man and will, and I'm actually going to quote from my copy of the Theogony here because no one really says it like Hesiod. He will give them an affliction in which they will all delight as they embrace their own misfortune. So after making this declaration, he then commands the gods to help him create his affliction. He tells Hephaestus to create a form for her based on the immortal goddesses. And then Athena adorns her with clothes, jewels, and teaches her crafting and weaving. So far, so good. We have a beautiful being based on the goddesses of Olympus. And um, she has beautiful clothes, beautiful jewelry, and she's a crafter and an artist. Sounds great so far. Then Aphrodite gets in on the act and, on Zeus's command, showers her with charm and charisma. Great. 
and then teaches her, um, based on the notes um, in my copy, how to arouse men and to seduce them so that they forget themselves. Okay, and then Hermes just, you know, puts cherry on the top and gives her a cunning nature and teaches her how to lie. Yeah, so basically the gods fashion a being that is beautiful and charming, able to seduce men and make them forget themselves, and has a deceitful nature. And this, this, this is really, it just, <laughs> I can't help but laugh because this sounds like something written by a guy who just got rejected by a girl. You know, it just, <laughs> it's basically Hesiod's version of women is, you know, they're beautiful, but they're also cunning and they arouse you and you can't help it and they make you forget your reason and, oh, it sounds so bad. But after she's created, Zeus names her Pandora, meaning all gifted, because, you know, all the Olympians gave her a gift of some sort. And he has Hermes takes her to her to Prometheus's brother, Epimetheus, as a gift along with the jar, probably to kind of make peace after what he did to Epimetheus's brother. Now, before he was taken away to be chained to a rock and have his liver eaten out every day, Prometheus did warn his brother not to give, not to accept any gifts from Zeus. But Epimetheus decides to ignore this warning when he is presented with Pandora. If you ask Hesiod why he did this, I'm sure he'd tell you that Pandora used her sly and arousing nature to cause Epimetheus to forget his brother's warning, but I digress. And at the moment that he accepts Pandora, she unstops the jar that she's carrying with her and releases the horrors that were trapped inside of it. And these horrors jump out and start afflicting mankind with all sorts of horrible things. I mean, illness, starvation, old age, just any and all forms of suffering that we now have to deal with came out of Pandora's jar. Now, this is probably a little confusing to you because most modern versions have Pandora opening the jar out of curiosity by accident and she doesn't mean to release these evils into the world. But in the original myth, she does it on purpose. She purposefully unstops the jar herself and lets everything out. And when you go a few lines, you figure out she does this on Zeus's orders. And as per tradition, hope remains in the jar to symbolize that despite all they now suffer, man will always have hope. But when you read Hesiod's, there's little clues that says that hope only stayed in the jar because Pandora closed it before it could leave as per Zeus's instructions. So if Zeus didn't tell her to do this, Pandora could have just let hope fly out the jar and be lost forever and man be left to their suffering without any hope of it ending <laughs> and so us and that's that's how that's the original myth of pandora she was created to inflict suffering on mankind through her actions and her nature and it, it's really 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 bad and horrible and definitely misogynistic and patriarchal and all that but despite how horrible the myth is it does put into perspective for us 
a lot about Greek mythology and Greek culture in general. Because when you look back at Greek society, it, except for a couple of places, women were not really treated well. They were often treated as second-class citizens. They had little to no rights. They couldn't hold property. They often couldn't even leave their house without their father or husband's permission. And they just didn't had almost no autonomy for themselves and yes horrible but this myth kind of puts in perspective why not not trying to say it's an excuse but it does kind of help us see how women were viewed in greek society as per their mythology women were these beings created to make men suffer and so then we see throughout mythology and society how they were treated, it kind of puts that in perspective. Now, I'm of the opinion that the treatment came first and the myth came later to kind of, you know, justify their treatment of women. And I'm not, again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but it really does kind of help us put in perspective why women were treated and viewed in these ways in mythology and in Greek society. Thank you for listening to the Ancient Mythos podcast. To get notifications of new episodes, please subscribe on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For more mythological content, check out my publication, Ancient Mythos, on Substack. And don't forget to check out my website, kellywislocky.com, and follow me on social media.